This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. Here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. I am Jay White, changing seats with Liz Gill for this broadcast. And uh, this morning we're talking about sports betting in Mississippi. And it's um, it's one year anniversary or its inaugural birthday, I guess you could say, uh, or anniversary of its birthday. I messed that all up. Sorry, Liz, I'm already over one. So we're talking about sports betting in Mississippi today after one year of being um, legal in Mississippi. And with us this morning is Professor Professor Ron Reichlock. He has been on the faculty at the University of Mississippi since 1987, and he currently serves as the university's faculty athletic representative, which is probably a good conversation starter. Uh, so good morning to you both. Uh, Professor Gershon, how are you? Doing great, Jay. And it's always wonderful to have Ron on the show because he brings so many levels of expertise. Uh, he uh, has written a, a book on gaming law, and so... Uh, that is specifically uh, relevant to today's show, but just tremendous background. He's been on NPR. He's been on a lot of national broadcasts, uh, asked to speak all over the country, and we're really happy to have him on the show today. Yeah, and he's been on MPB before. He uh, he was a guest on MPB's Season Pass before that show met a watery grave a couple of years ago and was talking about this very thing, I think, leading up to uh, the legalizing of sports betting in Mississippi. Uh, Mr. Rieschlock, welcome in. How are you? Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Well, uh, let's get into it. Let me ask you about uh, sports betting in Mississippi through one year. Let me ask you, Ron, about your opinion about how this has gone the first year versus maybe what your expectations were leading into the legalizing of sports betting in Mississippi and what its impact might have been. Well, I think if you look at the revenue that's come back, um, casinos in general are fairly pleased with the way it's worked out. The... um, the main thing, sports betting is not a huge revenue driver mm. for most casinos. That's why in several states, by the way, they have legalized sports betting, but casinos haven't offered it yet because it's not a lot of money in and of itself. But it tends to bring people to the casino. And so I think that's what Mississippi casinos have been able to, to capitalize on. Our, our surrounding states don't have or haven't had sports betting available. Uh, so they make packages and people come in for the weekend, watch watch sports, uh, place bets, and go to restaurants and, and play at the tables and other things like that. So, yeah, that's a great point. And, I, and you kind of answer what my next question was going to be is, is why for Mississippi was this looked at as uh, such an opportunity? Let me ask you this. There are several sports books uh, kind of splotted throughout different parts of the states, but the books all seem to be right on top of each other in two or three, you know, general locations or three or four general locations. Um, Is there worry? And this is kind of sort of off topic. This is more, I guess, your opinion than necessarily looking at it for what it is. Is there 
is there any kind of um, fear that there's oversaturation of the opportunity and the places to wager on sports in Mississippi versus what the actual uh, demand is? Well, I think as betting grew across Mississippi, as the casinos opened, there was continual fear about oversaturation because we adopted a free market approach where if you have the the, the money to offer it and, and you can pass the background checks, you get to open your casino, you get to open your sports book. And uh, if if that means that along the way some, you know, companies that don't offer quite as nice of accommodations, uh, they lose out in the market, so be it. But uh, that has been the approach. It's worked well so far. And I don't think that uh, in-state competition is a huge concern to the industry now. I think what we're going to look at, we're going to begin to see um, Arkansas opened its first sports book last week. Uh, if you see them come uh, surrounding states, because we we are attracting out of states betters, and um, if we if we lose that market, that's where you'd see the problem. Is there a way to, I guess, statistically separate where the money is coming from in state versus out of state consumers? Well, they are. They certainly uh, monitor those kind of things. That's part of the, the whole loyalty clubs are all about tracking where their money is so they can know who their gamblers are, who their target market is. They're, I'm not privy to all that information, but sure. the casinos are quite good at that kind of thing. Do you think that they, is it, I guess, um, is it more of something as, that is attracting people to Mississippi? As you kind of mentioned there a little bit, is it more of a resort uh, type of situation or, or uh, is it, are, are they excited about how, how many people in Mississippi are going out to do this and embracing it? Well, there are two questions there, I think, a little bit. In terms of bringing people in from outside, that's clearly the Gulf Coast model. Mm -hmm. It's... uh you want to bring people in, have have a nice golf course, have have water, have uh, restaurants, have things to do. Bring in, have a package weekend kind of thing, and I, th- I think that's the model on the coast. That and of course, always locals. You know, um, you always rely on that. I think uh, in Tunica, uh, you know, up uh, closer to Memphis, it's been more in terms of attracting uh, day tourists. Um, they. Um, uh, had a more of a, a conference center built up kind of situation, but as Arkansas's uh, gambling industry has developed, it's cut into that market some, and I think it's more reliant upon uh, on day betting. If you have a question about sports betting, fantasy football, leagues, uh, Super Bowl pools, anything like that, internet gambling, give us a call today. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one 672 7464 You can also send us an email to our address, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Uh, let's backtrack a little bit and kind of um, – uh, look at, at the lead-in to this becoming a thing in Mississippi. Let's go back five years, maybe ten years. In your opinion, did you see this as a thing that was eventually going to happen, or how much of a, in using sports terminology, how much of an upset that this is a thing in Mississippi, specifically you know, very early on in its its growth across the United States outside of Nevada? Well, it's really kind of funny that way how quickly Mississippi uh, embraced uh, gambling with, with I think the idea you know, it was in around 1990, the idea of the riverboat gambling, uh, and that's how the legislation got through. 
we didn't envision the type of large-scale casinos that they, they turned into. However, I will say 10 years ago, I'm, I was quite convinced that the, the folks in Mississippi wanted to be able to offer sports betting if they could. There was federal legislation that made it illegal to do so. The Mississippi legislature, uh, a year or so in advance, um, changed the law so that if the federal law were ever declared unconstitutional or, or ever repealed, uh, sports betting would be available in Mississippi. And that's what happened. The United States Supreme Court held that the federal law banning states from auth- offering sports betting was unconstitutional. Uh, and Mississippi's law was already in place. A lot of other states have had to get their legislature in line and begin putting new laws together. And they'll be there in a, in a year or two. I mean, there'll be a lot more states adding this. But uh, our, our legislature was a little bit ahead of the curve on that one. Have surrounding states or states here in the South that are typically red states, have they run into some opposition to uh, legalizing sports gambling? It seems like Louisiana quickly tried to move to adopt something like this, and initially it was uh, voted down or at least tabled or something like that. But how how has this worked moving forward in surrounding states? Well, the, the only one, the only state that touches Mississippi that has sports betting now is Arkansas, mm-hmm. and it just was able to offer that uh, last um, last week. It really really came up. Uh, several of the other states have considered it. They've had legislation come through, come along, um, and uh, Tennessee, including Tennessee. Tennessee has authorized some online sports betting, although I think it's not up and running yet. Um, there is there's pushback against gambling. I mean, it, it, it's a vice, and uh, the churches are very strong here. A lot of people uh, would prefer not to see the expansion in the gambling area. So um, it is a political um, uh, consideration. That is interesting, uh, especially the the first two being out of the gate in the Deep South, being Mississippi and Arkansas. You know, you would guess maybe Tennessee or Georgia, something like that, or, or Florida specifically. Those three states, uh, they have you know very progressive parts to those different states. Some some bigger metropolitan areas that always kind of lean that way, but here it is. You know, two uh, you know very rural, very deep south, very red states that are out of the gate first. Let me ask you about the impact of this on Nevada and Las Vegas specifically, which is kind of the sports book capital of the world, I suppose, at least America for sure. Um, And I know it hasn't really had much of an impact, but how are they looking at this and and the I guess the prospect of more and more places uh, adopting legalized sports betting? How are they looking at that and and what's their opinion of it and and how do they plan to combat it to a certain extent? Well, it it is very interesting. There are a couple of different approaches you've seen from different casinos, different casino operators. There's some who see see this as an absolute threat. Online betting is a threat and want to drive people to their brick-and-mortar businesses. There are others who see this as an opportunity. They're expanding it. Maybe they're all expanding in the area, but there's some that are more aggressively expanding. Others are, are, are concerned about it. Um, and and it's, it's a two-sided sword, I suppose. I suppose to, to one extent, to the extent that this becomes more popular, more people engage in it, that's 
Las Vegas is still going to be the place to go. People are still going to want to go there, and, and, and it will benefit from that. On the other hand, if you're looking at a flight in a hotel and getting to Las Vegas, or we can <laughs> drive to the coast for a weekend, and it's a lot less expensive, and they're offering comparable uh, services, it may cut into their business. And, you know, casino gaming, I, I suppose it's not like maybe people envision it, you know, in 1968 out of the middle of a desert like they've seen a movie. Uh, it's so corporate now that it's not really a us versus them thing. It's kind of an all of us together in different places kind of thing, right? Yeah, so many of the casinos uh, uh, operate across multiple states. Even even the the progressive slot machines, you you may be uh, contributing to a jackpot that gets hit in a different state, or you might win one that uh, was funded from a different state. How about that? That's uh, Ron Rieschlock. He is our guest this morning. And this morning, we are talking about uh, sports gambling here in Mississippi. It has been legal for one year, and uh, we would love to have you call us. If you have any questions about that, one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. We have uh, in the conversation today sports gambling, fantasy football leagues, internet gambling, uh, daily fantasy sports, which was kind of the thing before the uh, the I guess regular you would call it legalized sports gambling came through. And we'll talk a little bit about this uh, a little bit later on in the show. Your uh, Super Bowl squares game, uh, you know, are they coming? Is the law coming after you for that? Uh, we'll we'll talk about that and more. This is in legal terms on MPB. Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights with Professor Richard Gershon at the University of Mississippi School of Law. I am Jay White, sports betting, legal in Mississippi for a year now. Uh, That's our topic this morning. Scratch-off tickets, multi-state lotteries. That's coming up in the future. Uh, Sports gambling, fantasy football leagues, internet gambling, uh, daily fantasy sports, all that kind of stuff. If you have a question about that, give us a call. The number is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. You can email us, legalterms at mpbonline.org. Professor Gershon, your thoughts about the first year of uh, legal gambling in Mississippi. Well, Jay, I totally agree with you. It was a surprise to me that we jumped on the bandwagon so fast. And, uh, you know, especially since the lottery uh, has been an issue for a long time, and we'll get to that later, uh, that we would go straight to sports uh, betting. But what I want to know from Ron is if I do have that uh, that game, you know, if I do the NCAA bracket, tournament bracket, oh, yeah. am I in trouble? Uh, Jay, I'm already <laughs> in trouble because I say uh, veggie burger in Mississippi, so I don't want to get in any more trouble. Oh, <laughs> uh, That's right. So the NCAA, let's dig right into it. The NCAA tournament pool, that's, I mean, everybody does the competitions now when it's Yahoo or ESPN, different things like that, but there are also friendly competitions amongst friends. How does does this impact that, and and how how does the law speak uh, about things like that? 
Well, yeah, we were just talking about that in the break, and, and very technically, uh, gambling is defined as a consideration or a bet, outcome derived by chance, uh, and a reward. So if we pick a, a bracket, uh, and, and, and this happens primarily if they get very high stakes. I mean, you almost never see these things prosecuted. But technically, there's an argument. The issue becomes whether filling out the bracket is a game of chance or a game of skill. And, and if it's a game of chance, uh, technically it can be gambling. Uh, if it's a game of skill... Uh, then it, it may be legal. Now, the thing that, that I know I participate in, a lot of people do, where you go online to ESPN or somewhere, you fill it out, there, it doesn't cost anything to join. Right. Uh, that's not gambling because you're not risking anything. The, the I guess the differentiation between chance and skill, boy, there's a lot of gray area there. That brings in the argument of daily fantasy sports, which, you know, it's a lot of chance whether this guy is going to do something today or not. But at the same time, there is certainly an art to picking the right lineups and putting the right guys in the right places at the right value to get into the spots that ultimately pay you the most money. It is very interesting. What I mean, is there a way legally that one side or the other, whether you're for or against that, can make some sort of hardline definition that something like a daily fantasy sports is most definitely either skill or either chance? I don't think there is a hard line to draw there. There are cases, and, and, and most uh, clearly established in poker, where the issue has gone to the state Supreme Court in various states. In some states, the, st the Supreme Court has concluded it's a game of skill, and therefore it is not gambling. Other, other it's a case of it's a game of chance, and therefore it is. Uh, I think the idea behind fantasy sports, one of the reasons they got a foothold in, with the Mississippi legislature and, and in some other states, is by arguing that it's a game of skill, and therefore it should be exempt from uh, prohibitions on gambling. But when you reduce the uh, uh, the, the amount of, of uh, play result that you're looking at to, to daily fantasy, instead of a, a season-long fantasy where you're managing a team all season long and dealing with injuries and everything else, when it reduces to a daily fantasy game, it's pretty close to chance. <laughs> That's true. There is still an art to it, and I, I have heard. I, I cannot tell you uh, from experience about things like that. If you want to talk about our conversation today, sports gambling in Mississippi, one year old now, you can call us. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Places like a FanDuel um, or DraftKings, that's those are the two competition for daily fantasy sports, the two biggest ones anyway. Or let's say offshore betting sites or you know British gambling sites are a big thing now. How much do these have an effect on sports gambling or gambling money spent in general in Mississippi? Well, you know, let's be clear. If anyone is out there, they're gambling online, mm -hmm. even if it's about sports and they think it's legal, it is not. Uh, online gambling is prohibited in Mississippi. And if you're putting your money with, say, one of these offshore casinos or something, uh, there are cases where they've gotten the money and they've folded up and, and left town or left the island and, and you're, <laughs> you're stuck without your money. So uh, online gambling in Mississippi is not legal.
one eight seven seven MPB ring is the number. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Can people who live outside of Mississippi come here to place sports bets, even though it may not be legal in the place that they come from? Sure, as long as you're at the casino, uh, play, play, placing a sports bet is okay. We even actually got. You know, I said the online betting is illegal under the law in Mississippi. Uh, you can bet from your phone if you're on the property of a casino that has uh, everything wired up correctly. Uh, we have a couple. At least we have at least one casino that is wired up, but it's not yet operating. Uh, so that, no, we're not quite doing that. But some states, if you've got the app and you are, I think this is West Virginia, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, uh, anywhere in the state, you can actually place a sports bet. What do you think the people in New Jersey think about this? For the longest time, they've kind of been positioned as that number two right behind Nevada. And that if anything ever broke in this regard, it seemed like they were going to be the ones that were going to be right there. And I know they're still a big player in the game, but uh, they they kind of got beat to the punch in this to a certain extent. Well, they're, they're up and running pretty quickly, and, and they really drove the legislation. I've said earlier there was a federal law that was declared unconstitutional that allowed states to offer sports betting. Uh, they it, it, it was from New Jersey. It was New Jersey challenging that federal law that had exempted, that, that had allowed Nevada to, to have sports book but did not allow uh, New Jersey too. So they fought very hard, got the law declared unconstitutional, and they are up and running now. And one of the big drivers from Ron, this was this Delaware Liz, also, right? I wanted to chime in. Um, we, our family is from Arkansas, and we enjoy going to, to Oaklawn, their uh, horse race track that they have there. And uh, there, Arkansas residents can bet for them from their phone at the track and at the connected tracks. But if you are not an Arkansas resident... Even if you download the app, you can't bet from your phone. Uh, how does that work in Mississippi? Well, we're actually not up and running yet with it anywhere. So I, I understand the law to be if you are on the property of the casino uh, and if the casino is offering it, but like I said, none of them yet are, you would be able to bet regardless of your uh, status and what state you're from. Uh, but, you know, maybe I'm wrong. I, I wasn't aware of the Arkansas provision. And there was a, a, a bill at the legislature proposed by uh, Senator Simmons from Cleveland to allow mobile betting throughout Mississippi, and that kind of just went away. Do you think we'll ever have that? I think we'll have it much quicker than most people think we will. Uh, because of this, because the, the one of the main arguments for sports betting is that people are doing it already with bookies, and the bookies, there, there's all kinds of, of problems, criminal elements around that, and you're not getting the taxes off of, of the profits and all that stuff. So so the, one of the ideas behind having sports book is to be able to compete with the illegal betting. Well, it's, it's not really effectively doing that right now because you're in the middle of the state and you would like, like to place a bet on the game this weekend. You have to drive to a casino. Uh, you may have to drive you know, several hours, a couple hours, get to a casino to place your bet. Uh, and if you think of something the last minute, you can't do it. So people are still dealing with bookies, still dealing with illegal gambling. If you want to compete with that market, they're going to have to go to a statewide mobile betting. Is the, does the the legal sports gambling um, leaders in Mississippi do do they try to actively uh, combat 
I guess, bookies or or uh, guys who run books locally, it, 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 or or do they not worry about it? Do they kind of just let that exist as it is and just, uh, I guess, understand that you know one day having legal gambling in Mississippi will eventually uh, kind of undercut the purpose of having your local bookie to a large extent? Well, I do think that as we have expanded into legal gambling, bring prosecution for gambling becomes harder and harder to do. Uh, what the enforcement level, I think, is decided at the police level, and uh, if the police see this as a problem, they they break it up. I think if they don't see it, I think there are areas where where there's a wink and a nod, and people aren't too concerned about it. I will say this: when it becomes a matter of revenue to the state, when we want people betting illegally because we're drawing taxes instead of betting illegally. Uh, and not paying taxes, I think you may see an incentive for more prosecution. All right. Very interesting. Our topic today is uh, sports betting. It's uh, one-year-old here in the state of Mississippi. Give us a call if you have uh, any kind of questions or comments, experiences uh, during your first uh, year. If, if the, your experience, the first time going to the sports book and the first time you placed a bet. I took a seemingly very safe $10 bet on Alabama to win the national championship last year, and of course it didn't happen. one mpb ring is the number. 1877 of all the years. 1877 672 7464. There are plans for a state lottery in Mississippi. What are your thoughts about that? Are we going too far? Have they already gone too far? Are you all for it? Is it a quick fix? Your thoughts. 1877 MPB Ring. This is in legal terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I am Jay White in for Liz Gill this morning. We're talking about uh, the one-year anniversary of legal sports betting in Mississippi. The number to call is 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 1-877-672-7464. We have uh, Professor uh, Ron Rieschlock with us from the University of Mississippi. And, of course, Professor, Professor Richard Gershon here as well, uh, kind of teased the uh, uh, state lottery. And I do want to get into that eventually. I would like some folks to call and tell us what they think about that. One eight one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. But before we get there, I do uh, need to ask you, Ron. Uh, part of your title, as I read it here, is um, uh, let's see here the uh, University of Mississippi's faculty athletic representative. That is interesting. Speaking of uh, legal sports gambling and uh, the NCAA, they cannot be excited about this, huh? No, they're absolutely not. There's a, <laughs> a, a task force the NCAA has formed. The SEC also has a task force. I actually serve on that. Uh, and uh, they're, tr- they're very much hoping to stop betting on sports. The NCAA has long... Uh, oppose sports betting uh, in general. Um, Some time ago, I I urged them to sort of drop the fight over pro and just focus on college sports. 
but they've posed it in general. They're now falling back to at least ban it on college sports. Uh, there are all kinds of rules. The rules about athletes betting, people who work around athletes. Uh, I, I was telling Richard in the, in the, before the show, I managed to get myself barred from sports books because uh, we met uh, the, the little committee from the universities in the state, met with the gaming commission and looked at ways we can minimize our risk. Uh, and we don't want our athletes betting on sports because they can be ineligible and and schools can be sanctioned if people who work around them are so there's a list of all the athletes from the the d1 schools and all the people who work around them including me and they are technically barred from entering the sports books that is it's certainly extremely interesting to think about what's the legal age that you have to be to gamble in mississippi 21. So, I mean, we're talking about, I mean, that's plenty of kids who are college-aged, plenty of student-athletes who are college-aged who could go and do it if they wanted to. What do the universities do to try to kind of uh, curb maybe the, the want to do it or the draw to do it? Or is there? Is it overestimated? It's a real interesting question. And we just did a, a continuing legal education program. Uh, actually in conjunction with the School of Education, hosted here at the law school about two, three weeks ago. Uh, And uh, I was on with uh, George McClellan, a professor here on campus, who has put together programs not aimed solely at athletes, but just at uh, students, at faculty, at staff, because you're playing with fire when you gamble. I mean, it's it's like drinking or anything. There can be bad habits that can develop. And what can what can and what should schools do to try to help people avoid falling into uh, compulsive behaviors, addictions? Uh, And he had helped structure a a very comprehensive program at the uh, University of Missouri, uh, which I looked at. There's most schools don't have anything like that. And uh, I think George. Uh, is talking about trying maybe to develop something here. I always, as a kid, uh, I always wondered about uh, the University of Nevada, Las Vegas, which, of course, had a a superstar basketball program for a long time. And uh, they were put on probation several times for many things other than kids going to the casinos. But I always wondered what the draw or how they dealt with what the possibility of the draw of students going to, especially in Las Vegas, you know, as opposed to anywhere else on earth as far as casinos go, but having a campus that is literally right in the middle of all of that. I wondered, you know, for years and years and years, they have been like the one of the two, I guess, Nevada, Reno, maybe also one of two schools that have really had to deal with such a situation and how they handled it. For a long time, uh, Las Vegas casinos would not accept bets on Nevada teams. Uh, so you could bet on almost any game, but not on uh, one of the, the local schools there. Um, that changed maybe 10 years ago, and they started taking bets uh, across the board. So um, I, <laughs> I think you're, you're right. That's one of the first areas, by the way. We, uh, the committee from, from the schools here in Mississippi, reached out to UNLV and asked them about their policies and what they did. And uh, that's where we came up with some of the ideas of establishing good lines of communication between the universities, the Gaming Commission, uh, and things like that. As a kid, as a teen, I always thought, uh, I wondered why 
schools like uh, you know Hawaii and uh, UNLV and maybe like Pepperdine and Malibu. Why don't these schools dominate every sport? I mean, all you got to do is just show the kids the campus. But I guess eventually you do have to go to a classroom, and I guess that's where uh, the uh, the draw of that is. Yeah, some beautiful campuses. <laughs> right. yeah, well, but I will say, Ole Miss, you know, we can, we're pretty beautiful here too. <laughs> yeah, we are. And uh, one question I have is, it seems like sports of all the gambling areas is the most easy to manipulate, you know, because you've got a three-point spread. You pay off the field goal kicker to miss a couple of kicks. Nobody really knows that that's what's going on. How, how do you deal with that issue? Well, basketball is actually the one that's the, the easiest, yeah, uh, to manipulate because you just need, need one, maybe two players. Uh, and, and how do you deal with it? Uh, yeah, you know, you monitor, you monitor, you restrict access. Uh, it's a serious issue for every major uh, athletic program in the nation trying to uh, protect and, and preserve the integrity of the game and keep away. Uh, th- there was a, a cover of a Sports Illustrated several years ago, but, and there was a story about how a guy said you, know, you put $10,000 in front of a, a college basketball player and ask him not to lose the game but just to, to shave a few points off and how hard it is for them to say no to that. But then once they say yes, they're owned. Wow, that's a great point. Uh, it's a slippery slope, or maybe straight down. <laughs> not, not much of a slope. Uh, let's go to the phones. Uh, we've got a caller on the line. Then you can call us at one eight seven seven MPB ring. That's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Sports gambling. One year old in Mississippi. That's our uh, topic of the day. Edward is on the phone in Jackson. Edward, good morning. Thanks for calling. Good morning. How are you doing today? Listen. Uh, if, let me have, let me get this straight. If you if you bet and you win, you got to pay taxes. If you bet and you lose, whoever gets the money has to pay taxes on that. So my opinion is, just like a profit and loss in a business, if uh, you lose more than you win, you ought to be able to deduct that off your income taxes, just like anything else. You know, because they want the money when you win. They ought to be uh, liable for when you lose too. That's well, my story right you, there. You would think, but that's not how it works. And, and Richard's the tax lawyer, so you can tell us, Richard. Well, the Internal Revenue Code, Section 165, says your losses sure. are limited to the extent yeah, of I know. the I'm, gains. I'm just, well, but I'm, the, I'm just there's saying, a reason. You know, <laughs> you know I, it's a good point, but one thing to think about is that's discretionary. So, you know, if I go and spend money uh, watching a play, I'm not going to. I'm not going to be able to deduct that. I mean, that's entertainment. So at least I can offset my winnings by my the amount I lost. Well, the thing is, too, if, if uh, enough people are, you know, are having to pay a lot of taxes, they're just better off going back to the bookie, and, and if they're not going to be enforcing that much anymore. So uh, this way they'll, they'll be losing taxes, and the bookies will be coming out ahead more than the casinos. Which may drive the police to look harder into bookies and prosecute them more. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. That That is a, a, an absolute possibility, um, and, and and it's happened elsewhere before. Edward, my man, uh, g- give us a call back soon and keep uh, speaking on behalf of the people, all right? Yes, sir. Have a good day now. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Thanks, Edward. He brought up taxes, and I was, I was kind of working my way to this question. I don't know if it's something, Ron, that you can talk about specifically with the NCAA, uh, but... Um, it, Certainly with professional sports. I know the NBA, uh, since Adam Silver has become the commissioner, they've been super progressive with how they have addressed gambling. They
they are all for it. They want to go, you know, headlong into it, uh, of course, because there's tons of money to be made there if you can work out the agreement the right way, if they get a cut of everything. But that's just it. Uh, I know Major League Baseball, which, you know, usually (laughs) moves pretty slow (laughs) as as far as changing things go as a sport, uh, they still look at it like it's rocket science and they don't want to, you know, don't don't want to touch it, don't have anything to do with it, at least for the time being. The NFL, though, is the monster uh, in the room, bigger than an elephant. It's the monster over there in the corner. What are the leagues, what do they have to say and what are their rights and, and how do the casinos and the gaming commissions interact with the leagues in terms of them wanting their cut of the revenue of all of this stuff that's basically based off their product? Right. Well, that, that's a great question. And I'll say that uh, initially the leagues were defending the prohibitions on gambling. And for a long time through litigation, uh, not, not just not just statements, um, but, but in court and elsewhere, they defended the laws that prohibited, prohibited gambling. You're right, the NBA and Commissioner Silver were the first to kind of breach the idea of, hey, maybe we should embrace this. Baseball goes back to the uh, Black Sox of 1918 when they threw the World Series, so they've always been very strict about uh, gambling. Sure. But I noticed probably 20 years ago, uh, sports began getting in- involved with state lotteries. We got a state lottery, and they started offering prizes that were associated with teams and things like that. And that was a little bit of a, of a breach. And then once this law fell down, once the, the uh, uh, New Jersey won the, the, the case and had the, the federal law declared unconstitutional, all, all, it was clear there was going to be sports gambling. The leagues lined up. And began asking for an integrity fee. In other words, one percent of the bet made across the board be paid back to the uh, the teams that were supplying the content that was driving the betting. Now, pretty much across the board, that's been shot down. They've not been getting the integrity fees. Uh, so I think they're looking at uh, some other avenues now, including uh, you know they're partnering. Well, that's because I mean we could get in the weeds uh, they, on this stuff, right? It's like interstate commerce and antitrust exemption laws, which. All seem what all of the major sports leagues in in the United States and the NCAA are they have basically an excuse to be looked at by the federal government as not interstate commerce, even though they're like bajillion t dollar <laughs> uh, businesses. Is is that part of the reason why they why they are kind of excused and not considered as as part of the equation when it comes to gambling? Well, I think, frankly, part part of the reason simply is there are there are old cases uh, where the courts have said people betting on on the uh, the sports are not associating themselves with the sports. Uh, there were cases when the, the NFL, for instance, tried to sue a state lottery to stop the lottery from using its. Uh, its teams as part of a daily lottery thing, the court held, you know, it's a separate entity, and the fact that people are using your games to bet does not t- make you a partner in in the matter. So it's harder. I think they're going. I think you're going to see some stuff probably around likeness and image and things like that that are more likely 
to to if if they're if they're going to grab a piece of it, but it might be easier just to work out partnership agreements, and I think that's what you're seeing more of. Starting by the way with FanDuel and sports game, the daily fantasy stuff. Yeah, absolutely. They've they've adapted quickly with that because that ball was snowball rolling downhill, jump in or get left with that thing. Uh, no, no matter how big uh, and how many millions of dollars your league uh, makes, it's interesting. When we come back, if we have time, I'd love to ask you about. Specifically, if the leagues have a claim, or I guess I suppose they don't have a claim for part of the tax revenue on gambling when it is surrounding their product, what the difference between that is and when somebody like the NFL can go after churches to break up Super Bowl parties. Um, We'll ask that after this break. Also, plans for a state lottery in Mississippi. We will dig into that as well. I'm Jay White in for Liz Gill. This is In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. We'll be back. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. We hope you subscribe to the podcast of the show. There are many different podcasting platforms. Liz likes Podcast Addict. I have recently, I'm, I, I'm constantly in the market for the best podcast app. And I don't know why I can't settle on one. I guess maybe I'm just a dork for seeing how they all work and what their little intricacies are and how they separate themselves in the marketplace from one another. I am on Google Podcast. I'm, I'm, I am listening to the argument of the giant in the industry right now. Fair game. Uh, and uh, I guess I'll let you know how it works out at some point if you're interested. But uh, we certainly do hope you subscribe to the podcast. Uh, you can get it... Uh, iTunes, Google Play, on Google Podcast as well, Spotify they are on now, and of course the MPB Public Media app, free in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Ron Reichlock is our guest from the University of Mississippi, Richard Gershon as well, as always, uh, every week with the University of Mississippi with us. And uh, before we went to the break, I kind of threw uh, a little bit of a question that I'd love to have explained, uh, Ron, and that's kind of what is the difference? And and based on the fact that if the NFL can break up a a church get together to watch the Super Bowl, uh, as an example, or you know, let's say somebody having a party and they hang a Super Bowl banner, it's at a business or something like that, like a sports bar, and they can't put up a banner that says the Super Bowl. They got to say, "Hey, come see the big game," or something goofy like that. Versus the NFL not being able to be part of the profit on gambling on NFL games. What is the difference. I know there is a difference, but what is the difference? Well, yeah, there is, and and that's really uh, really is a pretty great question and great analogy. The the uh, NFL owns the trademark to the word Super Bowl, and so you you can't have an event. They're always in January. They're, there's uh, you know buy your new TV yeah. for the big game, <laughs> yeah. which drives me crazy. I mean, they ought they ought to trademark the big game too. Culture. It seems to me that that it should be, go beyond that, but. Um, 
they have control over that. They don't have control over uh, St. Louis versus Chicago uh, and, and a score. And ah. that's that has been a long part of the sort of public domain. Uh, if they actually... Uh, if, if you use, I, I think, uh, the football helmets or, or, or logos, something like that, there's an argument there. And I think in actually the lottery case I mentioned earlier, uh, the court said that. It said if you're using the images, it's a different thing. But just uh, using the city names and the scores, that's, that's like the news, and you don't have control over the news. Very interesting. All right, let's uh, change gears. We've teased this a handful of times here. The state lottery. Um, how close, how how realistic an opportunity is this? How close is it? Uh, I guess, what do we lack before this is a thing in Mississippi? And how, how do they set it up? I know that's a lot of questions. I guess <laughs> first things first, how realistic is it to to expect a state lottery in Mississippi? Well, it's, it's completely realistic. It will happen, and they hope to have it up and running by about December 1st. Uh, they have contracted with an agency, a company that runs these kind of things. You know, one of the interesting things, and I really didn't think about it until I was reading about this, but they have to have a jackpot ready because somebody could win the first day. That's so true. they've got to set aside enough money in advance in case they have major winners that, that first week or so. Uh, but it's it's on the way. So how do they how how do they go about being part of this? And are they part of the big like Powerball that everybody sees and everybody runs you know right across the bridge in Louisiana? And by the way, is this going to collapse the entire economy of uh, that row of towns right on the other side of the Mississippi River Delta, bridge, Louisiana, Delta and Mound and all of those Mexico. places? Right. Uh, how, how do they go about setting this up? Well, and again, essentially, you contract with a company that comes in and runs these things. And, yeah, they will enter into the Powerball uh, uh, competitions. And, yeah, it's going to have an impact on the, the border, the, the, the stores on the border that rely upon people from other states. Years ago, I practiced law in Chicago, and the highest revenueing convenience store uh, in the region was just across the Wisconsin border because everybody used to drive from Wisconsin down to buy their lottery tickets. Um, it's going to reshape a few things. So as opposed to sports gambling, which is a lot of fun and is, you know, big, loud bang and noise and colors, at least on um, on the surface, this, this state lottery and being a part of a state lottery, what kind of an impact uh, financially or economically, do lawmakers and industry leaders expect that to have in Mississippi? And is that the driving cause of this They're happening? They're looking at about uh, 80 to $100 million a year after the first year. The, the first year, there'll be some startup costs. It'll probably be about half that. But that's what they're hoping for, and the first $800 million, uh, will be devoted to infrastructure, roads, bridges, stuff like that. Any excess above that would then go to education. All right. So, um, man, that, that seems like something that will be uh, a big deal for Mississippi. Um, I, I'm eager to see how it plays out, uh, how it will affect the economies specifically, and I don't know if they look at it statewide or if they can look at it by market, or but how that would affect the economies in uh, major metropolitan areas around the state. I mean, does it does the the, the trickle down effect from the lottery does it can it have an impact on um, you know local economies like that? 
Well, it can, but it, I mean. often, I mean, to be totally honest, often the, the economic impact of a uh, lottery is not entirely positive. I mean, you're taking a significant amount of money sort of out of the economy and, and, and providing it to the government to do needed projects, obviously. But uh, it's not always uh, 100% uh, beneficial to the economy. There'll be some economies that will benefit. Uh, convenience stores love this because they get a lot more foot traffic. Sure. Uh, but there are people who will divert funds that they used to use to go out to eat or to, to go to a movie or, or to buy tennis shoes for the kids that will go to lotteries. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, your final thoughts on uh, sports gambling in Mississippi after a year. Looking back, your thoughts on this past year, and then maybe your thoughts on how this will continue to evolve going forward. Well, I think that uh, overall, I think the, the industry would say this has been a successful year. It uh, revived the uh, gaming economy in the state. It brought more people in for weekends and for fun. Uh, I think as we see our neighboring states develop this, that will then once again be uh, a competitive uh, uh, issue for us. But hopefully, if you can establish a strong foothold, you can maintain that. And I think going forward, we are going to see development of online gambling and uh, 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 apps that where you can do that. That'll probably even offer in game betting, uh, proposition bets, things like that. I know that's a big deal uh, in England with the you know British football and things like that. It's it is a a major contributor to the rabid fandom. Uh, the ability and boy, do they do they promote the heck out of it all over the place, nonstop on game days, which is seemingly every day. The fact that you can bet live props in games as it's going on on your phone in the stadium. Uh, that's that's pretty wild. Throw in beer and that's uh, that's a time that can be had if you're ready to have it. So, uh, Ron, we certainly do appreciate you uh, appreciate your time and, and coming in and, uh, and hanging out with Professor Gershon and talking to us about this today. Well, thanks, Jay. It's always great. All right. That's, uh, that's going to wrap it up for us today in legal terms. You've been listening to on MPB Think Radio. All our call screener for today's show has been Michelle McAdoo, Liz Gill, who is normally the host is uh, engineering. She is the producer of the show as well. Interesting uh, little switch we had here, little musical chairs. Hopefully next time I do this, I'll be able to speak English better. Uh, and our board engineer in Jackson, as I just mentioned, Liz Gill. For Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law, I'm Jay White. Coming up next is the Tuesday Southern Remedy Show, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. And we hope you'll join us again next Tuesday at 10 for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 